Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. And um, yeah, what a show we've got this week, blimey. It, it, you know, if any would-be Premier League managers are, you know, watching or listening, feel free to ring in and um, and, and join in, basically. You know, make a pitch. You know, you're, you're very welcome, really. And in that the vein of... Um, of form, really. We've got uh, delighted to say we've got Chris McKenna with us, the uh, Daily Styles man on Merseyside, and uh, giving us some <laughs> some insight and some nuggets. I'm sure on the Everton soap opera, which was just so. Uh, I mean, it just reached peak levels, peak peak Everton levels yesterday, shall we say? Um, uh, Andy Dunn, my colleague at the Daily Mirror, chief sports writer there, and chief sports writer at the Daily Star, um, Jeremy Cross. Um, and you know we've got to have a little look at the sort of the um, uh, Premier League so far as well. What Roy Hodgson might um, uh, bring to uh, the party at Watford and whether he can keep them up. And uh, yeah, transfers as well. Is it going to be a bit of a damp squib finish to the transfer window, or how do we see it, um, guys? But I do think we should start with Everton. Really, let's go kind of back to front from the running order because I just think Everton's been the sort of the story that's dominated the back pages um uh, this week chris let's let's start with yesterday and 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 the developments really because i think we started the day by thinking that vitor Pereira was going to be at least interim manager didn't we then we got the kickback then we got the incredible um phone in you know to 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 sky which was remarkable outlining you know Exactly. I mean, this was a guy not not think considering walking away as as I saw it. It was a guy sort of pitching, you know, digging in. Basically, he definitely wants that job. How did yesterday play out, as far as you can see, and where does it leave Everton now and their and their search for a new manager? Yeah, it was kind of around early afternoon. There started to be a bit of word that Pereira was going to speak, and didn't know where he was going to speak, how he was going to do it. Was it going to be like a just a statement released or something. And then it was like, oh, no, it's going to be on Sky at four o'clock. And again, thinking that maybe it's just going to be like a statement. Like we've we've seen that before where somebody releases a statement to Sky and it's just read out and we thought it'd just be like a defense of himself saying, I've done this, I've done that. Um, uh, Let me have the job, basically. But what it turned out into was 20, 22 minutes, I think, of pure utter just drama that was like just it was just wild it was like it started off a strange interview it was very broken and obviously English isn't his first language but he can speak very very well good English and as it went on it was just it started to really develop and he started to open up and get back at the negatives that have been said about him by by people in the last few days but there was so many little pointed remarks and stuff like that to point out that he was spoken to Bill Kenwright in 2013 because the kind of narrative has been that if this is Farhad Mashiri pushing for, for Pereira and that other members of the Everton board are not sold on him. Um, and then obviously if it's Mashiri pushing him, the Everton fans um, believe that that's down to Mashiri's relationship with Kia Jarapshin. And so it just seemed a very kind of staged managed thing, but it wasn't totally scripted. It was quite passionate from him as well some of the stuff he said was quite impressive I have to admit the way he, what he said what he would deliver 
um, pressing football, um, getting the passion back in the team. This is the, these are the kind of words that Everton fans do want to hear, but I'm not sure they want to hear from Pereira. I think a lot of their kind of minds are, are, are set on it. They're not, he's not the man they want. They feel he's been pushed in by outside agents and, yeah, it was it was crazy, and I don't even even the Sky interviewer said like it's so strange to have this on somebody on who's pitching for a job basically. It was like X Factor, EastEnders, Coronation Street, Brookside, a whole lot on it in an afternoon. So um, typical when it's Bill Kenroy, uh, Bill Kenroy's club involved too, and then his love of the dramatic. So, but I can't imagine Bill will have enjoyed that. I think Mashiri will have enjoyed it. He's done it before. He's gone on Sky. He's gone on TalkSport. Mm. He's texted certain people who work for them channels and, and got his statements out that way. So I don't think Mashiri will have been put off by it. But um, crazy, basically. Yeah, and I don't think we'll, we, we'll see that again very soon. No, fair, fair play to Sky. I mean, it was good sort of, you know, it's not exactly on the hoof. I'm sure they were expecting the call, you know, as you, as you rightly say, I didn't realise that. But then basically it was good. You know, you've got to roll with it with the, as 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 the thing goes on, and it did, you know, having listened back and watched back and sort of looked at the transcript, it's 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 good interview, it's good interviewing, isn't it? Andy, did, when you you know after you poured over that, did did you are you are you were you left feeling more were you left feeling more negative or more positive about Pereira and his impromptu TV appearance? Um, probably. I mean. <clears throat> Probably a little bit more positive, really. I mean, I mean, not that I was initially either overly positive or o- overly negative. I mean, I think one of the reasons he probably did it is because, you know, the 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 sort of um, the news that he was uh, possible appointments was greeted with, you know, some fairly sort of strong negativity, you know, from yeah. from people in our industry, from fans, you know, banners going up saying Pereira before he was even in. Um, and I, I found that a little bit. I did find some of the criticism of him and his record, which you know isn't isn't brilliant, but it's not. You know, I've, I've seen managers appointed on far less. I, I found the initial hostility towards the Pereira or the potential of the Pereira appointments a little bit strange. You know, and, and I think that's probably why he did it, and that's probably why him and his people did it because you know they were probably surprised at the sort of kickback to news that he could be the next Everton manager. You know, uh, uh, especially as, you know, when you consider that, the, the, you know, Mashiri's appointed a whole string of managers and none have worked out, then maybe he thought that he might have, you know, had a chance despite his rather checkered record in recent years. So I actually sort of, I, I, I didn't have any objections to him doing it. Mm. I understood probably why he did do it. I think, you know, and, and, and listen, the bottom line is, whether it's Everton or any other club, I mean, for anyone in our business to go on and say that, you know, someone shouldn't be communicating to the media. is just wrong. You know, I mean, whether it's, it's unbelievable, whether, I find well, it exactly. unbelievable. Whether it's guy, yeah. whether it's us like, you know, and we, I mean, to criticize anyone for saying anything, you know, the more they talk, the better, simple as that. I don't care yeah. whether it's right, wrong or, or, or whatever. Exactly. People to, in our industry yeah. to say, Oh, isn't it terrible? He's given an interview. No, mate, mate, that's what we're all about. You know? And, and, and so I've got no objections at all. And I don't think it should, particularly sort of um, affect whether or not Farhad Mashiri thinks he's the right man for the job. He should make that decision on his, his own conversations with him. And, 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 and I absolutely don't think that, it, that that should be a negative in any way. 
no, no, it's, it is it is fascinating. I have to say, looking yeah. at people, blimey, sort of, going, yeah. you know, journalists, journalists digging, you know, well, saying, oh, never a bit. Spread, so I was delighted. Well, exactly. Well, absolutely, it was great, wasn't it? It was gold. Well, we, 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 <laughs> I have to we say, our colleagues at the Liverpool Echo have brought up the transcript within drastic. about twenty minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but no, Jeremy, what was your what's your take on it? Does this strengthen, you know, Brera's? Position. I think Chris raised, you know, raised a really good point there. Mashiri has done it himself. There's no way that Mashiri is, you know, going to be put off by this. And the other thing that really struck me was that let's talk earlier in the day about, you know, Pereira having second thoughts and maybe doubts about it. You listen and analyse what he said yesterday. Mm. This is a guy digging in, isn't it? He wants that job more than ever. There's no chance of him walking away. I mean, if they d- decide not to give him, that's one thing. But this is not a guy in two minds, is it? No, he was pitching for the job, wasn't he? Like mm. said, he was, he was. He had a feeling of a soap opera to it because you, you know we're not used to seeing managers do that sort of thing. But you know, I, I totally agree with what the guy said. It's it's good that he's he's got a lot of self confidence. I don't know a lot about him. I don't think anyone knows everything about him there is to know because you know he's worked in some sort of quite bizarre places um, in recent years, but. I just, I just thought it epitomised where Everton are, are at the minute in terms of just the chaotic nature of the club, how it's been run, you know, the fact they can't win games, they've got a temporary manager in charge, Mashiri, you know, clearly will do things his own way. It's not working for him, but, you know, he's the majority shareholder, so he makes the decisions, whether that be on the toss of a coin or whether there's some actual thought and planning to the, those decisions. We just, we just don't know. But, you know, it's a mess, one, whatever way you look at it. And you can't blame um, this guy for wanting the job because, look, Everton remain a massive club, don't they? I know they don't, mm. they don't operate like a massive club right now, but they are one of the historical clubs in English football. And, you know, you've got to feel so so sorry for the supporters and considering what they're going through at the minute. I mean, they've won one game since September, Everton. And, you know, it's you just look at the league table, you look at the fixtures they've still got to play, you just think they are genuinely at risk of going out of the top division, which I think it would be the first time in 70 odd years. So Mashiri has to get this appointment right, whether it's this guy or Frank Lampard or Wayne Rooney or whoever. He has to he can't keep getting these decisions wrong. And he's he's mm. got got rid of six higher than five, six managers in since 2016. So it's a manager a year, which is ridiculous for a club of that stature. Yeah. And obviously the fans though the fans are very vociferous and are very angry and you know they've already been daubing messages on walls saying we don't want Pereira. Um, but you know, Mashiri, we ignored all that one, but it was a much worse scenario when Benitez was coming in because you know the Liverpool link and everything like that. But you know, he just ignored that and went press ahead. And you know, he, he will, he won't be put off by anything the fans, the fans say or do. No, no, sure. Chris, mm-hmm. give, give us an insight into the or, you know, the, the dynamics of the fans now, because there's a lot of talk about this, you know, sort of on social media yesterday about kind of who they're angry with, really. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I think Jamie Carragher was wading into it. Who is their anger with? Because it's, you know, there were protests there. But I think a few people sort of saying that's not about, uh, that's not against uh, Mashiri as such, but more about, you know, Bill Kemright, basically. Is that right? Where, where, where you know, where, where's the anger lie? Yeah, it's twofold. I mean, after the Villa game, um, Andy was there as well. It, it was very much all on Kenroy. And 
I understand that they can be angry with, with Bill Kenroy. He's been there a long time and Kenroy has, has made mistakes and is part of where they are now. And he's done good things, he's done bad things. And I can understand that. But I felt that protest was very, very much on him. And it was like, well, it's Farhad Mashiri who appointed the last manager. That was quite clear that he pushed that through. Where was the kind of not hate? I don't really want to use the word hate because I don't think we should have hate. But like, where's the anger against him? Um, and obviously, it's a it's a fine line because they also obviously yeah, Farhad Mashiri has invested a lot of money in the club, and they will be wary that if if Farhad Mashiri suddenly went, you know what, I've had enough of this. Why am I taking this rubbish? I'm pulling my money out. I'm off. See you later. They're going to have a big, uh, a big pair patch in Bramley Moor Dock of, of ground that's not going to get anything built on. So maybe that was part of that reason. But as the week went on, the anger kind of did turn towards Mashiri and, and Keir Jarapshan's name was on some of the banners. And um, I think it's it's too far. I think they they feel that Mashiri needs to up his game, and they want him to yeah continue to play on his money. And of course, every fan wants that to happen. But they want that money spent wiser. And part of that, they feel, is that the board needs to be basically ripped up and redesigned and different people brought in. They're not happy with the people on the board. They don't feel they don't feel that they have the football knowledge needed to run the club, use the money wisely and get Everton back up into the top six. So I think it's mostly directed at the board, but I think they are also wary that Mashiri is seems to be at the very least easily kind of swayed by agents and influenced and maybe if they had stronger figures on the board that that wouldn't happen but Mishiri doesn't seem to listen to the board sometimes they told him that Benitez was a bad idea for the obvious reasons who he was what he and even his kind of managerial status at the time he, he he's not as great a manager as he was that was in played into it, but he just ignored that, pressed ahead with it. So I'm not sure what change on the board will do. Will it just cause them more rows? Um, but this is a football club that is just in the last, even in the last few months, it's chaos. How is Marcel Brands allowed to to go in December because he's not getting on with the manager when the manager is on the brink of getting sacked? How is Luca Dean sold on a Wednesday? I think Wednesday or Thursday the deal goes through. And on the Sunday, the fella who we fell out with, who we wanted to leave the club because of, is sacked. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, not saying Luca Dean's this great player. I think he he's a very, very good player, but he was maybe built up too much. There was too much about it that he wasn't. They weren't losing some legend of the club, or he was a good player that they just sold because a manager fell out on, and then three days later they they sacked the manager, which just epitomises the state of the club. So. I think, yeah, the anger is at the board, but the anger has started to turn against Mashiri because they feel he's being influenced by people and he's he's not spending his money properly in the club. Mm-hmm. Kossi, when you look at it, mm. I mean, it's not wrong. I know there's a lot more to it than just this about when it comes to running a football club, but if you look at the best-run clubs in the Premier League, Liverpool, a greatly run, a great-run club, Man City... Chelsea. I know they all they also have a lot of money and, and the best players, but they are really good examples of how clubs should should operate. And they are the clubs that have success and succeed and move forward and make progress. You know, Mashiri might have a lot of money and his investor Usmanov has a lot of money too, but no good having loads of money if you don't know how to spend it. And you need good football people involved who understand the game and how these clubs 
what they need to do to succeed at the highest level. And Everton don't seem to have anyone who fits that description. No, no. Andy, where, Andy, where, where would you go next? He's going to Everton as chairman. <laughs> well, we do it. Hope you do that will be a good Listen, to be honest. But come on, I mean, you know, the elephant in the room is basically, you know, the, the regulars on this show will know that you've been a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Frank Lampard. But come on, is Frank Lampard a better option? I think, he, he, well, not a love-hate. I just thought he was the wrong man for the Chelsea job, and um, and you know, Sally was proven right. Um, it was too soon for him. Too much baggage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, you know, it, it, it's strange, really, because, you know, um, other Everton fans I speak to, I mean, w- would would not be averse to Frank Lampard. I think, you know, um, I think the sort of reservations that it didn't go well at Chelsea are probably tempered by the fact that, you know, it probably was too soon for him. He's a bright guy, you know. He's uh, He would bring at least a degree of decorum and stability to the club in the sense of the way he represented the club. Um, I like the fact, I like the fact personally about Frank Lampard. I like the fact that I think he's still ambitious in that sense. You know, it would be easy for for Frank to go down other routes. You know, he could be the next big thing punditry-wise. He could be the next Sky's equivalent of Gary Lineker, for example. Frank could do any of that. He could do what he wants, basically. But it's clearly he wants to get on in management, you know, and he's got a sort of, in a way, he's got a, a lot to prove after what happened to Chelsea and what Tuchel's done with the same squad. So I sort of, you know, I think he'd be a good fit. I think he'd be, you know, I, I think Rooney would be quite a good fit, you know, not for the reasons that the that, that most people in the media seem to think that he's some sort of legend icon. I've been through this before. He, he's neither a legend or an icon of Everton Football Club. Um, he's a fan. Whoa, you know, he's a fan. Speaking. But, but anyway, we won't go there. I mean, I just got fed up with it. I, you know, he, he's, he's just a fan who, who, who played for Manchester United a long time. So there's no emotion there, whatever. So you sort of, I would sort of toss up between the two in, in, in a way, you know. But just going back to a couple of things on um, on, on Machiri. So, sorry, why if, would you? Why would you? Surely, Wayne Rooney is in a similar position. Yes. Um. To for for, for Everton now, as Frank Lampard was. For Chelsea, no? Why? Frank Lampard played for Chelsea for a long, long time. Frank Lampard was a club legend. Wayne Rooney isn't a club legend. I keep saying that. I keep trying to tell everyone that. He's not an Everton club legend, but people see... I'm to talking managerial-wise. People see it because he wore a T-shirt once saying once a blue, he, he, he's some sort of legend. He's not. But No, 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 no. Oh, but managerial-wise, he played for, for Everton. I'm not, I'm not disputing your legend or icon rant. I'm disputing... Right. They are... They have both managed Derby County. Wayne Rooney's still doing a brilliant job there. He's doing okay. He's, I mean, it's the most overrated job ever in history. I mean, no, I well, like we, to- we totally disagree on that as well, don't Is we? Right? How many games he won? Oh, Andy. How many games he won? How on earth do you lift the team, which has got 11, no 12. hope, no money, no future, into winning matches like he has? Into to winning give the a fighting game. chance of survival after the crippling points deduction. I think what he's doing is miraculous. I'll tell you why he's got. I mean, I mean, you talk about sort of mobilising sort of. I mean, listen, and I like him. No, I, no, no, no. It's nothing. I've got no. I would genuinely give him a chance. You know, I, I would genuinely give him a chance. But, the, but the why? Idea, why are you willing to give Wayne Rooney a chance at, at Everton? But I think he's thought that Lampard was the wrong choice at Chelsea. Do you see what I mean? What's the difference? Well, because Lampard going back there, I, I think at that time, obviously he couldn't refuse that job, but I think it carried too much pressure. It was too big a right. job for him. 
I don't think Everton. I think it's a different job. Everton taking over Everton and it's Chelsea. Sadly, I do. I think. I think. I think yeah. Everton is a, a a source of a, a long term project. I've said this before. Benitez, the ludicrous appointments of Benitez. The Everton needs a manager, a young manager for whom this is going to be the pinnacle so far of their career, and who is going to take two, three, four years as a project. It was never going to happen. Benitez, obviously. You know, I, I, I was of the opinion it should have been someone like Eddie Howe or Graham Potter at the time. That if you're thinking of moving into Bramley Dock in 2025 and it's a whole thing about a project, you should have a manager who sees the longer, you know, for him, it's the pinnacle and he sees the longer term. And I think probably Rooney would would fall into that. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, I mean, but he'd be, he'd be quite lucky to get the job, you know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, everyone says, I listened to a talk radio show the other day saying, is this one of the best jobs ever done by any manager everywhere? Rooney at Derby, if he keeps them up. Is it better than Fergie in 99? It's absolute nonsense. Do you know how many games he's won this season? Go on, tell us. Eight. Eight, eight championship matches out of 27. And we're supposed to believe, you know, it, it, it's, it's a miracle. It's not. He's doing a good job in hard, difficult circumstances. I understand that. And I think he's a really bright manager. I mean, I, I don't know whether you read. Um, I, I read. Um, I think Johnny Northcroft's piece in the Sunday Times about you know behind the scenes with Rooney. I'm incredibly impressed, and and I would I would have no objection to him getting a job. Equally, I, I would have no objection to Frank Lampard getting a job. But just quickly going back onto the Machiri business, is that he's getting pelters for you know wasting his money, spending five hundred million over what six years now? Six years next month, isn't it? I think since he took over. Um, and he's getting pelted for wasting this money, wasting that, not making the right appointments. It's all down to him. But, you know, he appointed, when he appointed Ronald Koeman, Carlo Ancelotti, even Benitez, you know, even though I was, you know, completely against it. You know, is it, I mean, did anyone complain when he appointed Ancelotti? Or or what was it, was it universally acclaimed? Were Everton fans learning Italian and sort of doing Carlo songs and whatever? Of course they were. Of course they were. Listen, you know, it, it is just literally, it's about the players. And the, the fact of the matter is, they haven't played well. The players haven't played well. And going back to what Chris has said, absolutely spot on. The problem has been the recruitment of players, the same as any club. And they haven't got that right. They've, they've recruited spectacularly badly. It's not Machiri's fault. And who would have thought, you know, this stuff about it. I mean, who would have thought we'd be sat here, John? Talking about Keir Jarabshin's name being on a banner outside Goodison Park. I mean, for yeah, goodness sake, right. like you know. Right. I mean, don't don't give these guys the sort of, in a way, the sort of publicity um, that they probably don't deserve. You know, that's their job, by the way. They're doing their job trying to get their men men in. Now, Mashiri, you know, in hindsight, just spends his money badly because Everton are 16th in the table, you know, and are looking for their sixth manager in in X amount of years. But if you just said, actually, you know, this guy's going to come in, he's going to appoint. Cumin, Angelotti, he's going to build Everton, which let's face it, and we've all been there. I mean, at one point it was all, it, it, it becomes quite patronising. Isn't Everton a great old ground? Well, actually, no, it's a relic, isn't it? Let's face it. So this is a guy who's coming in and he was dragging Everton into the 21st century. Let's get that right. That's what he's doing with his money. He's dragging Everton into the 21st century. He's investing enough money to get the best manager that he, that, that he thinks is available and giving them money. The problem comes in the recruitment of players. Go back to Manchester City, like as Jeremy said, and clubs like such as that. What do they do first? They get, they get the people in who can run the club properly first. Arguably, the two most important appointments that Manchester City have made in the modern era 
are um, Soriano and Bagheristan. And then the rest follows on from there. They get the coach in they want. They've got the plan. They've got a long-term plan. They've got a long-term plan in terms of recruitment. Look at the players City have bought. You know, they might have spent big money, but there were players specifically handpicked by the coach and the technical director and the chief executive. So they're getting someone like Ruben Diaz, you know, we don't know. Turns out to be one of the best defenders in the world. They're getting Cancelo, you know, doesn't look great, but it then takes a while to bed in. They get the players to fit the right thing. And that's why Everton are lacking. And that, in a rather long-winded way, that comes back to maybe the disgruntment with Ken Wright. You know, who, again, it's a bit like Goodison Park, isn't it? It's it's a lovely old story. Guy who's sort of like, you know, who cries blue tears, who if you cut him through, will be blue blood. That's all lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, and, and listen, I like Bill. But, you know, <laughs> in the modern era, who do you want running your football club? Who do you want making the appointments? Who do you want appointing a director of football you know, it, it, it's lovely having, having an old-fashioned fan in charge, but I guess the, the, the anger comes that, well, you know, the direction of the club is all about recruitment and he's got it wrong. Right, we could spend all day talking about Everton, mm. but we're not going to. So let's move on. And <laughs> yeah, not, not a segue here talking about uh, veteran appointments or, you know, um, but, but Roy Hodgson, Roy Hodgson at 74. I, I have to say I love Roy Hodgson. I think he's, um, you know, I, I do think I, it was an appointment that surprised me and yet made me instantly think, I don't know why, because basically, you know, you can be dismissive of others. But basically, well, Watford have given themselves a chance. Jeremy, do you see it? Do you see it like that? I mean, you know, you surprised first and foremost that Roy. I mean, no one's surprised that Watford have changed their manager. I mean, it's just what they do. I mean, you know, that's another sort of debate. Really, it's not particularly edifying, but it's what they do. But Roy Hodgson, does he keep Watford up? I'd like to say yes, because like you, I like Roy. We knew him, you know, we know him from his England days. He was great value. I thought I always thought it was good value. I always remember that time in um, <laughs> Chantilly when he was kicking the dirt outside the media centre when he told he had to come in and face the music with those guys after we'd lost to Iceland. I always chuckle when I <laughs> Yeah, look, he, he um, it's a great appointment for Watford, I think, for once they've made a good decision there. If if they if they are going to stay up, Hodgson is you know more than qualified to do it. He, he took over Palace in a similar situation and did a remarkable job really there with Palace, and then stabilised them in the Premier League um, with a couple of sort of mid-table finishes. Um, and he never ruled out coming back into football, did he? When he left Palace uh, at the end of last season, so I'm not. I mean, you know, when you think about it, he's 74. That is an age, isn't it, to be taking on a new job? You know, when he's got lots of money, he's got, you know, he's got lots of time to just kick back and enjoy his retirement and then he decides he wants to take on this challenge and it will be a challenge because I, 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 the romantic in me, and there is one somewhere. Um, oh, lucky yes. Mrs. Cross. That's lucky right. Mrs. Cross. <laughs> if she was here now, she would she'd probably argue against that. Um, yeah, but I would love to see him do it. I mean, you know, um, you know, he's a good bloke. A great, he's got a great CV. He's done some remarkable things. Um, he's got a, rec- a, a career he can be proud of. I just don't see there's enough quality in that squad to keep no. him up. I know there's some really poor teams down in the bottom, which we'll probably talk about in a bit. But 
I just look at the squad and think, where, where, where is the quality there to win enough games that they need to do? So I think it might be one challenge too far for Roy. That's what I fear anyway. Yeah, I, I must say, Chris, I, I looked at the sort of kind of I looked at the fixtures and the squad and the list of players. It's not. Know, reading, we're talking probably talking three from four at the bottom, aren't we? Yeah. Let's be honest here. You know, and then absolutely not. What do you mean three from four? How come? Uh, uh, yeah, Andy. I do, uh, you correct me. You correct me. Diving. I, 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 I was thinking right. Burn, Burnley are bottom. Clearly, you know, Newcastle are right in there. You know, Watford now. Norwich have jumped out. I have to say, I think of it as three from four. Everton are absolutely slap bang in the middle of it, mate. Right. I mean, Newcastle week on Tuesday, you, you know, and, and and nothing I saw against Aston Villa again, as Chris mentioned, he was there. Nothing I saw against Aston Villa um, suggests to me that they will go and win at Newcastle. Newcastle win that game, you know, the sales are up after the win at Leeds. They win that game, they're a point behind Everton, and they are going to invest over the next. What, what, whatever, you know, four or five days until the window closes. Let's face it, again, and, and, and do you notice just on an opportunity, the guy who they're signing, Bruno, if you they're signing him, yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> if they're signing him, absolutely, yeah. Well, sure. if, if, if they yeah. sign him, how do you pronounce his surname? Grimares. <laughs> what a place that is. What a place. <laughs> I mean, we do digress into his listening. Grimares or Grimares. Was where we stayed, obviously, for the Nations League um, finals, wasn't it? In two very happy memories, very happy, very happy memories. memories. That's that square. That's square. It Wonderful. It, it, it did. And impromptu, impromptu it, it, it did. about. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. With Harry Maguire watching up. Yeah, with Harry Maguire. Yeah. Harry if Harry Maguire was giving us marks out of ten, I think he'd probably give us lower uh, than with, uh, yeah, Harry Maguire watching Matt marks of his performances at hey, Old Trafford. Let's put it hey. like that. Hey, Harry Maguire watching Matt Dunn play football and thinking, buy me, I'm mobile after all. <laughs> and they call me Slabhead. Yeah. <laughs> his, his form plummeted after watching that. That's it. He said as well, wasn't that? It was good. But anyway, listen, I digress. But going back to um, so Newcastle, you know, listen, whether or not Gimaraj or, or whatever signs, um, you know, they, they, they will invest. And the fact of the matter is, is Everton, you know, aren't going to recruit, you know, in 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 these last um, couple of days of transfer window. Mm. I, I, I think this morning there's news that um, Decore is going to be out for a month, maybe even more. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is a crushing blow. You know, arguably Everton's most effective player. So they are absolutely Everton are bang in it. Going back to the original conversation about Watford, um, I, I agree with Jeremy. I, I, I don't see much in that squad that's going to get them out of it. Um, and as much as it's lovely that that, that Roy's back, and, and Ray Livington in particular will probably be yeah. as much of an influence as, as as Roy himself will be there. Um, I don't particularly think it'll have a you know. I, I I I just love the I love the fact that Roy takes over from Claudio, like two managers who've managed between them. I mean, how many clubs? I mean, how That'll many be, clubs? Got to be thirty, isn't it? Yeah, it must. But be I, I do feel as if I do feel as if there's a different. You know, maybe this is a fault on my part, right? But basically, Ranieri's a spent force. Have a look at what he did at Fulham. I'm <laughs> sorry, but it, appointing him for Watford is an absolute idiotic choice. Andy, I know what you're going to say about Roy, but Roy yes, exactly. is solid as a you rock. Sweet, at Palace. Lead, didn't he? They are not going down, Palace. 
And I think for Palace to stay steady in the Premier League for as long as they did under Roy, I think actually is not a bad return. He's given them foundations for something for Vieira to build on. And sure enough, he has. And I think if you analyse it, Roy did a really good job at Palace. And yes, sometimes the football is regimented. That comes from his training sessions. You know, it's all about shadow play. It's all about repetition. It's all about getting the players drilled. It's not going to be frills and spills, but it might just keep Watford up. And that's my point. It might be, it might be, but it's just a point. You know, whoever they appointed, whether it be Roy Hodgson or anyone in particular, Rafa Benitez, anyone, they they might have gone for anyone. And they don't, they're just giving themselves a punch's chance of staying up. It, it won't they? You know, he's got however many games they've got left. Wofford, what, how is it? 18, 17, whatever, however many it may be. He's got, you know, half a chance, I'd say a punch's chance of, of keeping him up. Nothing in his record suggests that he's going to pull up any, you know, trees, but I'm sure, you know, it'd be a nice guy. Actually, here's a question for you. Go on. Given the fact Everton look like a team that needs. A quick fix, like a short-term fix, just to keep him in the Premier League this season, would Roy have been a shout for Everton? Just to the end of his <laughs> well, I tell you what, if that would have gone appointed, down well. <laughs> well, if they'd have appointed <laughs> Roy, if they'd have appointed Roy, they would not have gone down. You know, they'd not have gone down. They would have been clearly the, another Liverpool manager would not have gone down well, but they wouldn't have gone down. But if you're talking about Everton, the 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 you know. The, the sort of kind of the depth of their ambition, basically, or the height of their ambition, I should say, being to stay up, I don't think that would go down well, you know, with Everton yeah. fans. I know what Andy's saying about their bang in it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I look at it and I still don't believe that they are. I don't think they've won one game since September. The, the law of averages. How can Everton not be in it? <laughs> sure. I don't think they are. I look at the table and I don't think they are. I'm more worried about Brentford. What? And I, you know, I've got super affection for Brentford, but I just, I'm sorry, I just don't, don't see it with Everton. Yeah. You know, I think it's three from four, but you know, you got you guys obviously disagree. But you're not you getting up to, you, you really aren't getting up to Goodison Park enough, John. I, I must take you there. Your next day off, we'll go and watch a game. <laughs> oh, not allowed, not allowed up to up now. Hey, hey, by the way, by the way, John, it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. a while, like a century. You're forgetting a big issue with Roy Hodgson at Watford, and the the the. Relationship he has to repair with Harry the Hornet after yeah. the first a few years ago. If he can't solve that, the, no. the whole mood might be too sour at the club. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what, Chris? Right, I do think with Roy, right, if he gets asked about that, he'll get properly irked because that's the sort of thing. <laughs> that's the sort of thing that sometimes upsets him. The quirky little, quirky little things. If someone asks it the wrong way, if someone asks it in a jovial way, he'll laugh it off. Someone asked it in the wrong way. <laughs> no, Roy, he'll take he'll take it yeah. badly, and yeah, it'll be you know, end, he'll wind the it end up. of Roy's yeah. <laughs> If um, if Dean Smith somehow managed to keep Norwich, would he have a shout for Manager of the Year? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I do think that Norwich have got some blimey. I actually was thinking yesterday, and Norwich have Norwich got a better squad. Than Watford, I have to say it's similar. I think a couple of Watford's attackers, you know, Saar and Dennis, are probably better. But you know, Norwich, the squad, bearing in mind how much they spent in the summer, and they did go for it. You know, this accusation, but they went for it, but just went for it badly. You know, they've got a fighting chance now, though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Massive difference. You'd have said over Christmas, New Year, Norwich had gone. Yeah. Norwich are absolutely gone, you know, yeah. but all of a sudden, mm. you know, 
to to win at Watford, pull themselves out of the drop zone is some is some going really. So yes, yeah. it's, it's 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 remarkable really. But there you go. But guys, I mean, let's um, let's also sort of kind of uh, 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 you know we're watching Afcon with great interest at the moment, aren't we? Really, and it's interesting the sort of the um, uh, the break from from the Premier League. And 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 Chris, you know, it was interesting the other, you know, I mean, the two Liverpool players really playing a part of significant roles or, you know, getting headlines. Mane, you know, obviously concerning. And then Salah hitting the hitting the winning spot kick, basically. <laughs> it does feel like a little, you know, sort of out, outpost out in, in Cameroon, which is fascinating to watch. Yeah, they're both kind of, I suppose, carrying the countries, I mean, Senegal, on, on the face of it, have got a, a better squad and better players of their own, Manny, but Salah is this just iconic leader, one-man team, and I'm not being disrespectful to the players around him. There's some good players, but everything centres around him. I, I watched a couple of the group games, and it was it was basically get the ball to Mo um, and let him try and do something with it. And, um, but... They've got a really good chance now because of him and because that there is players around him that can can get the ball to him. Um, but there must be some serious pressure on both of them. But then the Mane thing the other day, I mean, how he was allowed to stay on the pitch, I mean, it mm. was it was disgusting really. Um and it just goes to show you that these concussion protocols or whatever was in place in this tournament are just just not good not good enough. Um that that could have really really ended badly. Um, he kind of got got lucky in a way that he, he got away with it, but maybe later in life he, he, that day will come back on him. Yeah, I did. I, you know, it really strikes you as a sort of a worrying development and absolute tragic circumstances this week. It was also around the mm. the tournament, Andy. When you see that amount mm. of you know people killed and injured in terrible circumstances, I must say my immediate thought was. Well, do you have to call off the the tournament now? Because I must say, you know, I remember thinking, you know, when when uh, you know the tragic circumstances, you know, with with Christian Eriksen in the Euros, for for example, you know, when when we were waiting for the outcome, see whether he he lived or died, and thank God he sort of kind of you know survived that, and he's now become a, quite an inspirational figure. But I just think in those sort of circumstances, you know. Do organisers and should the should the football authorities think about well, out of respect we have to you know call a halt to that because that's tragic and you know Absolutely. to hear some of the background detail you know they're opening opening the doors there for you know for for people completely free of charge to go in. I, I, I wasn't you know I sit back I'm not blaming any you know the the the, yeah. the, the, the people the victims at all but you have to look at the organisation there and. Think wow, that's that's shocking, shocking. Well, I, I, I think I think I think we know that the thorough investigations need to be had in in these in these matters. But I'm I, I I'm totally with you, John. You know, I think that one of the narratives here about the the Afcon has been quite rightly is how even in the build up to the Afcon is 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 how maybe we as as as, as the media here treat it. You know, and how managers treat it, and how club managers treat it. You know, the narrative going into it was that, you know, maybe managers in the Premier League, um, people who write about the Premier League and people who talk about the Premier League, don't give it the respect that it deserves. Don't give it the respect that we give the European Championships, for example. And that was, you know, no getting away from the fact that was an issue. 
And I think this, in a way, sort of almost highlights it. You know, I mean, if that terrible tragedy had happened during the European Championships, would any, any of us really expect the European Championships to continue after that? Would Absolutely we really? Not. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Absolutely yeah. not. Let me tell you now, if that tragedy had happened here, you know, in a in, in a in a, a surrounding a, a game at Wembley. Would we have then said, well, we'll move the next game to somewhere else and we'll carry on? Absolutely not. And that's, the, I, I just, you know, I can only say, listen, again, it would be a, a particularly, as we all know, for obvious reasons, a particularly dangerous game to go around blaming anyone for what happened until everyone knows the full facts of the matter. And they, be a long, they may be a long time coming out again, as we know. But what I would say is I totally agree with you. I, I, I think, you know, um, th- if that tragedy had occurred um, elsewhere, then maybe we would think about. I'm surprised that the tournaments actually, you know, just just basically goes ahead. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, John, if you remember, we're all at Wembley for that. Um, those horrendous scenes before the final and during, mm-hmm. during the game too. And the FA had that report commissioned, didn't they, afterwards, which actually stated that that it was borderline. Fatality. There was risk of fatalities that afternoon. That yeah. Sorry. Imagine if people had died that night before the mm-hmm. game. I mean, imagine the coverage that 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 story would have generated around the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, it should have. In my view, it should have. You know. Yeah, it should have created more headlines. You know. Yeah. Um, on the Monday morning, frankly, I thought. You know. Um, yeah. And it was. It was almost all. You know. We covered the fallout. Basically, we covered the. The kind of you know the uh, uh, sort of issues surrounding it, and I just thought it was a, it was a day too late. You know, it was just really badly, a, a real bad reading of the room, yeah. and sort of kind of you know we're so anxious sometimes to, you know, sort of talk about the football and just concentrate on the football and you know endless pieces about how what what a wonderful tournament it's been. No, 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 you've got to react. And basically, I just thought that that was. It was poor, poor news gathering. And I must say, I thought it was, you know, I thought this week with, I just can't, it's not even been a debate about whether the tournament at Afghan has been stopped. No, no. And I just find that staggering, absolutely yeah. staggering. I mean, I must say, I, Andy, I sort of disagree with you about the sort of the lack of respect. I do see that in some quarters, but I just feel as if like, you know, uh, me, say, for example, what, what annoyed me was, that, you know, there's been sort of kind of talk about as, you know, I mean, there's sort of, Obviously, uh, high-profile pundits have said, you know, we've not given sort of the English media and sort of the mm. Premier League doesn't give respect to which uh, to the to Afcon and sort of the importance of it, which I sort of get to a degree. But I I I feel that that is born out of a club meeting before Christmas, when twenty clubs around a you know sort of around a virtual meeting room saying basically we've got to make representations so we get AFCON called off because of security fears and because of, you know, the growing number of postponements. Are we not supposed to report that? I just feel, I just think that's ridiculous. Mm. You know, it's, it's, there's a story, it's a valid story. And I just think for people to sort of pundits, high profile pundits to sort of say that and not understand quite how the media works, frankly, is a little bit laughable. And actually, I think this weekend, you know, with, there's no Premier League games. Why is that? Well, it's a winter break slash South American qualifiers slash AFCON. You know, there's no doubt about it. The winter break is, is 
has been partly, you know, is partly there and has partly been preserved because teams have got players at AFCON. And I think that that's, you know, again, it's sort of, it's, it's, it, that has been overlooked somewhat. And it just slightly annoys me there because I, I personally think that, yes, AFCON is, is completely dismissed in, in, in many ways and not given the respect, um, you know, that, that it's ridiculous notion to think that African players aren't as passionate about playing for their countries at AFCON as the European players are about Euros. But, you know, rant over, but it's just... I know it's, I know it's a lot of it's climate-based, but let's be honest, it should be in the summer. I mean, that's yeah. part of the reason why it's overlooked or not given enough attention because it's going on when European leagues are playing. Yes, so yes. It's Two sugars, please, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> it should be on in the summer. An impromptu yeah. visit then to my, the my lovely missus. <laughs> if it was on in the summer when there's no Euros on or there's no... Yeah. It, it, would get, it would get plenty of coverage because people would be football staffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed watching it, I've, you know. I think it's been I think it's been good fun as a football addict, but there you go. We should talk about um we should talk about transfers as as well, really, and what you know, what's what's caught your eye so far. Because I have to say, we, we always hype this and build this transfer window up particularly January and particularly in COVID times you know last January was the biggest damp squib ever and this one we've seen a few deals which have been stories in as much as you know I don't know they would go into um, uh, Newcastle from Burnley because of you know one rival to another and the claws and stuff but we haven't had much drama or much excitement yet and we're heading to the you know the final final days of the window and we're still talking about I mean it's ridiculous yesterday I saw one sort of headline saying breaking and it was someone trying to you know some media outlet doing down another media outlet's blooming story about sort of <laughs> transfer happening I'm laughable lad you know just break your own stories don't dismiss others you know just concentrate on yourselves anyway but there you go um I just um uh you know it's is this Jeremy, what do you what have you made of the window so far? Damp squib or expecting? It reminds me of last year. I don't know. I mean, I suppose COVID is still a major part of our lives, isn't it? And it's mm. affected clubs in terms of the finances and how much they want to spend and do players want to swap one club for another? And Newcastle, I mean, you know, we 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 all sort of imagined a total circus when when the Saudis arrived. And we expected floods and floods of signings in this window, especially with them still down at the bottom, you know, struggling to survive. And actually, they've only made they've only made two signings, you know, Trippier and Wood. And with respect yeah. to both, both of those players, you know, the good honest pros and, and all that. But you know, they're not they're not earth shattering signings, are they? Really? So, and you know, and even the players are still getting linked with. I mean, you know, they're obviously trying to sign Jesse Lingard, who can't get a game at Man United. And um, you know, I think that's a good, a good that would be a good deal for Newcastle if you can pull it off. But obviously, United are digging the heels in, as we've seen over the last four hours in terms of how much they want for Lingard. They want a loan fee. They want Newcastle to pay his wages in full, which is about two hundred thousand quid a week. 
And they also want a cut of the profits if if he's if he keeps them up, helps keep them up. And I don't blame Man U for you know being greedy, but you know they're loaning him a a player who played for England not that long ago. So, mm. um, but deals Newcastle will obviously have to get used to this scenario because they are officially the richest club in the world now. So, cl- selling clubs are gonna are gonna you know they're gonna drive a hard bargain, and it's all this all contributes to a pretty like you say a pretty dance with a window. I'm, I mean, we all sort of get sort of geared up for the final day, don't we? Which is next Monday, I think. If I'm mm. not wrong. And you know we're all sort of there with our laptops waiting for the having to report on the big signings and I just don't think it's going to be one of, just not going to be a madcap day is it I just think there will be some signings obviously but I just don't think there'll be any anything of huge significance No the, the, uh, Chris I don't know whether you agree but maybe the three to watch and Newcastle they're mad rushed they're definitely, they're definitely clearly in the market still Arsenal for a striker I mean blimey you know what a carry on with Aubameyang and you know, needing to replace him. And then Tottenham, effectively, to kind of give Conte the sort of at least some signings to almost, it does feel as if it's reaching a sort of a crunch point to stop their manager walking out. This is a world We've been there two or three months for goodness sake. I know. That's well, quite good, isn't it? To be honest, before when I was on that, this was going to happen with Conte and Levy. Yeah. They were, they were going to come ahead. I didn't think it'd be January. I thought, I thought he'd at least get a few quid to spend initially and keep him happy. And they do need investment. Um, the Arsenal striker thing is 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 kind of mad. Um, in another situation, would they be looking at Calvert Lewin now? I know he's of interest to them, but. <laughs> Imagine the riots at Goodison if they sold Alvaloon in the last few days at the window. Um, I shouldn't laugh. It's because it'd be quite a serious in- I- issue. Um, I don't know where, where they're going to pluck a striker from, though, um, at this late in the window. Somebody that's going to... Because Arsenal, they're not going to go out and just buy somebody for now, is it? It's going to have to be somebody to, to, to keep yeah, there. Or are they? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't um, know. Breaking news. Breaking no, news. no, no, no. I just think if they, if they don't they don't sign a striker in this window. I think they could, you know, I think they'll finish eighth. What will happen yeah, with the Birmingham then, Crossing? In terms of... How will that play itself? Well, I mean, it's, you know, listen, no one expected him to go to, to Dubai. Um, you know, the squad is going at sort of kind of different times this week and um, basically you know the last lot are sort of kind of going today I'm sure he won't be won't be catching a flight because basically it's just you know it's just a question of now seeing what, what they can do you know with, with, with him you know there's been various various issues um, with him and fallout with Arteta listen I, I, I'm someone that's still sort of you know suck it and see with Arteta I still kind of have always been in this this season you know the jury's out, but one thing that I have to say that he's he's got right is Aubameyang because he's, he's a captain. You have to set you have to set the yeah. example. You have to set the tone, and I don't. You know he's on three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. He's you know a world class striker when he's in the mood, and basically his his timekeeping. You know to report up late. Um, in the first instance, you know dessert. You know got himself dropped. You know, missing a test, so it meant he couldn't then go on a on on a trip. He, he was given permission to go back to France to go and get his 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 mum, which was absolutely sanctioned. But then, you know, he had to make his own arrangements, and then basically comes back late, and then basically then that's an issue. 
you know, he, got, he, 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 you know, he went and got malaria, you know, which is obviously no one wishes that on anyone. But then you have to ask, well, why isn't he, you know, he, he isn't sort of vaccinated on that? And then it's, you know, because can you get malaria, you know, despite a vaccine? I don't know, you know, but it's it's a question worth, you know, that has to be asked. And all these things, you know, play into it. It's a, he's a difficult one to manage. And he was playing out of his skin and then got the contract. And it's, it's you know, here we go. It's Mesut part two. Remember when, when, he won, when they won the FA Cup, they basically yeah. won the FA Cup because of him. Yeah. Really? You know, yeah. Yeah. Massive goals. But then he dropped it. Remember that? And immediately, I remember he talking about it after they'd won the Cup, the immediate focus then switched to Aubameyang and will he get a new deal? Will he get yeah. what he wants? They gave him what he wanted and it's all gone. It's all turned into a car crash ever since, hasn't it? Do you know yeah. what? Do you know what? The previous regime, you know, basically, who, who sort of did contracts and transfers, right, gave Aubameyang, as part of Aubameyang's old contract, which was under 200K, but still very nice earnings, thank you very much had a further year option, basically, yeah. which then if Arsenal triggered, you could argue that if Arsenal triggered and he didn't want to stay, then he might turn off. But it's, it actually, the setup of that previous contract wasn't bad because they had an option, uh, which then elevated Aubameyang onto greater earnings, basically. You know, so it worked in his financial favour. Certainly Arsenal, you know, were anxious a little bit about having to pay that level of wages because it went up hugely but basically if you think about it the structure that was in place would have worked perfectly they should have just stuck to that deal yeah you know yeah. not be kind of you know railroading no fans get agitated now about what's happening with Aubameyang and you know him switching off the clamor for another striker but the reality is that, that basically Arsenal did bow to found pressure to give Ozil yes. a new contract and they oh, found yeah, I know Magic Mesa. Uh, well, Andy Dunn, Andy Dunn, single-handedly getting right. him a new deal. And they've done the same with Aubameyang. Yeah. You thought this will never happen again. And, oh, and then it my word, with the next yeah. star player, they've done it again. I mean, there, there, aren't clubs, there aren't many clubs who are going are gonna to meet those wages, are they, for Aubameyang? No, I'll tell you what, the one thing that does, that does annoy me is that basically a lot of people say, oh, kind of, you know, we've had sort of various people, you know, sort of, on the on the messages today, sort of, you know, I think there was one earlier saying that when are Arsenal going to sign players? Well, have a look at what they did last summer. Spent 160 million pounds. Yeah, they, you know, I think they bought some good signings in amongst that lot, and really good signings, significantly strengthened the squad, and that's down to Arteta to get him in the top six. They they will never have a better chance to gate crash the top four. Frankly, it has to come down to the manager if they blow the top six. It really does. There's no they, excuses. They were the biggest spenders last summer, weren't they? <laughs> uh, uh, I think yes. They were. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I mean, look yeah. at Ben White, 50 million quid. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale yeah. going up to 30 million quid. I mean, you know, it's good, some, some seriously good signings in amongst that lot, you know? Yeah. And the previous, well. one, they, the previous one, they broke the bank to get Thomas Partey on deadline day, you know? You know, you look at the window, the January window um, in general. All the top, the top six clubs don't make rarely make significant signings in January, don't they? Because they are, yeah, they're looking at the highest level of quality, so they they will do their business in summers and decide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's loans. I think it's loans, isn't it? You know, there's been yeah. so much talk about. You know, blimey, 
Jeremy, you must be sick and tired of writing about Jesse Lingard. But I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, this, have a look at this. No one loans, absolutely nobody loans a player who's got six months left. So to make that happen, the numbers have to be so outrageous. Yeah. So ridiculous that basically, effectively, it's never going to happen if you see what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a, such a difficult deal to do that. And that just sums it up that basically, you know, we'll go into the final window. I'm sure that Jesse Lingard, who's not playing, wants to play, wants to go out somewhere. But does he want to sign permanently when he's, you know, could be well, a lucrative free in the summer? No. Well, 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 well he, he doesn't tough. He should stay in Man United and do nothing then. The idea of, of someone being able to loan a, a, a guy for the next six months from another Premier League club is absolutely ridiculous. If Newcastle want him, buy him. You know, don't start moaning about loan fees and whatever. Buy him. Say, I'll tell you what, we'll give you 15 million quid for Jesse Lingard, who's out of contract this year. We'll give you 15 million pounds. Manchester United can then say, great, we'll sell him for 15 million pounds because he's going to be free this summer. And then it's up to Lingard, isn't it? You know, he either stays or he goes. The idea that that he can go for, you know, as some sort of like, you know, hired help to get Newcastle out of trouble. We talk about the integrity of the Premier League and about COVID rules, blah, blah, blah. That's the worst indictment of the integrity of the Premier League going that Newcastle could just pay some exorbitant rental fee for a player who doesn't want to be their player, by the way, and never will be their player, by the way, and just to get him to play for them. It's an absolute outrage that no one seems to care about, apart from me. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Is it ridiculous that I, 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 I saw I, I saw I saw Brozier for Southampton cause mayhem against Manchester City, maybe over the top, not mayhem, but he certainly gave them a bit yeah. of a run around and he can't do it against Chelsea. He's top scorer for Southampton. Conor Gallagher's top scorer for Crystal Palace. Chelsea have got three top scorers at three different clubs. It's And we talk about integrity in the Premier League and we just all ignore it. Oh, come on, Jesse Lingard, come here, we'll pay you a... I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. And, 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 and everyone's just accepted it. The chairman have just all accepted it. They do it amongst each other. And you know, it's just just as ridiculous, basically. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the FIFA loan rules last week? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, what, yes. What, the, 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 the the tomorrow, don't he? Any Sorry, uh, you're not doing a column on loan market again, are you? I'm not. No, I'm not, not again, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now. You just say you're not doing that again, are you? No, I'm not. The idea in your head, though, aren't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, do you back, see back City or Sunday. United doing anything? Uh, I'm, I don't. Um, I was just going to say, City of City are trying to sign a guy from South America, and I can't remember his name. Oh, the Argentina uh, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, um, the suggestion is that even if they do sign him, they'll loan him out, they'll loan him out somewhere till the end of the season. Well, back to River, isn't it? Yeah, probably. So, and then United obviously have the issue of um, you know trying to get rid of a, a lot of dead wood, which mm. is a you know an easier it's easier said than done getting these players out of clubs. You know when they're sitting on fat contracts, so. I think I think you don't think I don't envisage United making any any signings now. I think their summer their summer will be streamline the squad and maybe make a couple of additions. Uh, Chris, do you Liverpool Everton? Any any? Uh, I, don't know, I don't think anything will happen with Liverpool apart from a couple of exits. But Everton, Everton's the interesting one. They've gone back to the the, the, the chaos there. They need players in. They need mm. quality in, especially now with the decoring news. They need players in. They haven't got a manager. So what mm. are they going to do in the next four days? Are they going to sign players that maybe the new manager they don't know will want because they haven't made the decision on who the manager is going to be? 
They signed Mikulenko and Patterson a few weeks ago. Well, Patterson's now one for the future. Mikulenko was not really <laughs> now. Wasn't he's already one for the past. They were even in the squad because mm. um, they were signed by a previous manager, and they, Ferguson obviously didn't doesn't take a liking to them yet. So what are they going to do now? Bring in more players in the next few days and then they don't get Pereira. Something happens there. They decide to go for Lampard and Lampard comes in and he goes, I don't want these players. These are not the type of players. And then they're just sitting on wages, doing nothing. Um, it just goes back to the chaos of allowing it to go on with Benitez into the window. That decision should have been made in December and then they would have had to clean the new manager in to go at January to shuffle the squad a bit with the limited funds that they're able to spend at the minute. At least they could have had something. But now, four days away from a window, desperately, really in need of some added quality into that squad. And there's no manager, no director of football either to assign anybody, <laughs> apart from Fahad Mashiri, um, who, who might get his checkbook out. That logic is not difficult to work out, though, is it? Let's be honest. You know, we, all, all of us four know that's what I should have done. Chris has just summed up how they should have approached the, this month. And they've not done it. They've just got it backside over whatever what the mm. phrase is without swearing. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Right, we're going to finish with January deadline day uh, tales um, of any, really. De- particularly deadline day, you know, disasters perhaps, the ones that you've, you know, Basically, seen seen through. There's been a few few crackers. Jeremy, look looking back, what's been your what was your most memorable one? Maybe that you've covered, perhaps. Um, the Fellaini one at United was laughable because they were linked with so many top class players in that window, and they ended up signing Maron Fellaini with about ten minutes to spare. Paid like thirty million quid for him, and it was such a letdown for the United fans. I mean, he went onto the uh, half decent player for United, but it was. It just smacked of desperation and, you know, we just stood back and thought, you know, it was it was important actually for what was to come, but, um, you know, United, how the club of that stature um, got into this state, you know, where they're, they're basically scrambling Fellaini through the door with 10 minutes left before the bell goes. Um, but what the one that, I can't remember if this happened in January or in the summer, but I was looking at it and I'd almost forgotten, but you remember back in 2010 when Blackburn tried to sign Robert Lewandowski for about yeah. £4 million from Lech Poznan? And um, the deal fell through because the, of the volcanic ash cloud, so he couldn't come over, he couldn't fly over to sign. I mean, thankfully, he didn't go on to achieve much, Lewandowski, so they probably got away with one there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was an amusing event. I've never known Chancellor get, get blocked by a volcano before. No, no, fantastic. Chris? Not really got any story, but what I do want to say is that it's time that we abolish this deal sheet because I think it's an absolute nonsense. Is there a deadline or isn't there? Every yeah. window we go into, it's oh, it's eleven o'clock tonight. It's eleven o'clock tonight. Then five five to eleven. Oh, Everton have put in a deal sheet now. We've got another two hours to get a deal done. Oh, what? Like, just get on with it, but. Yeah. Um, no, not real kind of stories of it, but I mean, it then sums up Everton last year. Josh King was the big deadline day side and ends up making 11 appearances, doesn't score a goal, um, and his first game back, um, he scores against Everton for, for Watford, um, which was quite another another kind of sum up of the, the, the disastrous few years that is 
Everton Football Club. And, 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 and Everton Football, John, it's coming to Everton Football Club obviously was responsible for these seminal moments on transfer deadline day in the incident with um, was Alan Myers and, and Finch Farm and the brandishing <laughs> of a, a certain implements. And you know, then we thought Everton gone. Yeah, little did we know that was going to become a symbol for the next five or six, seven years, like, you know, just when you thought that was peak force and everything, little did you know what was to come. It was, as I say, it was almost a symbol of the years and years to come. But I'm going to Chris ask you about de- deadline. I mean, we've, we've, we, you know, we've all seen, you know, the stories. Remember, remember Ben Jarni, I think, when he came to City, fell asleep at the airport, missed two flights. You know, we had the day, David De Gea, the fax machine, sort of fax gate type. Odin Wingy. Andre Archevin is one of my favourite. I mean, that, those were so farcical. I always remember that that one because that was, I think, a, yeah, well, that was a January one because basically, you know, Arsenal have been after Archevin for ages. And I think Fabregas gets injured and they step up the efforts to sign Archevin then. I mean, it dragged on forever and a day. And then for, you know, London rarely, I mean, I, I live fairly, you know, fairly sort of central London-wise. And basically, London rarely gets shut down with snow. And I always remember that deadline day. It's snow, snow down there. You've never seen. And basically, it's like, you know, London was complete blizzard, basically. It was complete oh whiteout. And it just added to the whole whole feeling that, oh, my God, you know, how can this get over the line? Well, Snow doesn't stop, you know, emails, phone calls and faxes, do they? But it seemed to add to it. And I always remember that sort of kind of, you know, that basically were given permission, as Chris was saying, about the deal sheet to go into the next day. And they're basically, so it's still almost pending on hold, this deal. And then, you know, a few of us were the sort of, the, you know, went to something at the club the next day, I think, sort of kind of, you know, I don't know, the chief executive at the time had something in the ballroom or something and, you know, saying, oh, you know, this is my vision or whatever. And basically, by lunchtime the following day, when you sort of battled through the snow to actually get there, only a few of us made it, the Arshavin deal still hadn't been completed. And I remember saying to kind of the chief executive at the time, oh, you know, Presume that's over the line then. Oh, we're just waiting on confirmation. Confirmation. I mean, it's ridiculous. It was the following day. You know, it's just absolutely. So, right, I, I agree, Chris. It's absolutely farcical, isn't it? Ridiculous. But there's so many people involved nowadays, isn't there? And, 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 and so much to sort of, you know, um, to get done. And I was thinking about transfers that, you, that you've sort of been involved in. And one of the first I, I, I covered was way, way, way back when. Um, when Rob Jones was playing for Crew, and, and and this is the way things used to be done in the old days. Managers used to go and see players. They used to go and sit in the stands and watch players. They weren't sort of getting, sort of giving a nod over over luncheon, ladies ambassador down in that London place and stuff like that. That, that, that seems to happen all the time now. Um, they actually got out on a on a midweek and watched lower league football. And Graham Sooners came to watch Crew Alexandra play football. He, he, he'd watched them a couple of times <clears throat> with a particular player in mind to buy. And was running a final check, final check on a guy called Steve Walters, actually. And he was running a final check on him in a midweek game against whoever it may have been. And um, and Rob Jones played in the game and was particularly good at right back. He was only 19 then. So soon as just basically went in after the game, changed his mind, said, right, I want him, bought him. Or, um, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whatever it was, straight away, bought him, put him, sat him down on Friday, said, you did a team to face Man United at Old Trafford on Sunday in your market, Ryan Giggs. And the rest is sort of history, you know. And that's the way transfers used to be done. A manager goes to watch a game shock instead of the player being, you know, hawked around by 
whoever it may be, by Mendes, by Raiola, by Jarabshin, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The good old days. And that was actually, if I remember rightly, that was when transfer windows weren't went, a thing. Mm. I think that was probably mid-October or something like that. And I don't see why we can't go back to that, personally. Yeah, I must say, I hate the window, you know. It's just what year did it snow in London then, Crossy? I know. I thought, oh, was, I saw the sun. I was did. the gold on the... It's gold on those pavements, isn't it? Look, 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 look at his scar like there, Jazz. And it's, it's, it's sunny there now. Oh, tropical. Tropical. It's after this. It's tropical. only just getting light up here. <laughs> tropical, yeah. Yeah, I did actually go out for a run yesterday evening. I had to put two layers on, would you believe? You know, it's actually a bit, little bit chilly. Um, but anyway, <laughs> enough of this. But no, um, guys thanks so much for joining it's been an absolute pleasure and an insight yeah and so ran to plenty but no so nice to see you thanks so much for joining thanks so much everyone for watching see you same time same place next week 